Well, welcome to week four of the Branch Online Sermons. Over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about how to live in this time of COVID-19 in the light of the good news of what God has done in Jesus. We've thought about how if we belong to Jesus, God is our refuge and strength amid an uncertain and turbulent world. We've thought about how we can pray for the world and acknowledge to God our sin and rebellion, which has brought the world to this point. And we've also thought about how we can not be anxious, but instead seek first God's kingdom. Well, this is our last Sunday of thinking specifically about the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, And because it's Easter Sunday, we'll be doing that by thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. On Easter Sunday every year, we remember that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day after he was crucified. Uh, Every year we remember, but maybe never has the resurrection of Jesus been so important. For most of our lives, most of us have probably been pretty well shielded from death. Other people around the world might live through catastrophe and death, but most of us haven't lived through that. Sure, uh, people die, uh, people we know and love, and some of us have probably faced death more closely than others. But not like this, not the daily reports of new cases of uh, coronavirus, the daily reports of death counts. After a a while, we'll probably get a little bit immune to it. Even now, that's probably already happening. But this is a good time for us to face up to reality, the reality of life and death. And it's a good time to seriously ask yourself the question, what is my hope for beyond this life? What is my hope for after death? Do I have a hope? Now is the time to think more seriously about what the resurrection of Jesus means for those who trust in him and what it could mean for you if you don't trust in him yet. Well, the passage that we're looking at today is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 to 58. And if you haven't read that, you might like to pause the video now and do that. Well, in this passage that Paul Uh, is writing to the Corinthians, he's dealing with what the resurrection of Jesus means. In the verses just before those verses that we're looking at, he's giving the historical evidence for the resurrection. He's been thinking about how we can know that Jesus really did rise from the dead, how we can know that it's not just a myth. For example, he says, we know that there were hundreds of witnesses. Paul himself was a witness of the resurrection. We know that the resurrection of Jesus was in accordance with what the Old Testament prophesied. So Paul talks, first of all, about uh, the reality of the resurrection, that we know it happened. But now in these verses, he shifts gears to thinking about what the resurrection of Jesus means for those who have entrusted themselves to Jesus and his care. What does it mean for them personally? It seems that some of the people that Paul was writing to struggled to accept the reality, the fact of the resurrection, because they couldn't understand the mechanics of it. They couldn't understand with what kind of body the dead would be raised. And so Paul tries to explain it uh, to his readers and to us. In doing that, he refers back to God's original creation of the world. He says, 
If you look around at the world, you see that God has made everything different. Uh, he's made things according to his own plan and purpose with all kinds of different bodies. So people look like people, animals look like animals, birds look like birds, fish look like fish. So too, uh, God has created different things to have different degrees of glory. Uh, so the sun has one kind of splendor, the moon has another kind of splendor, uh, and they have different splendor again to the stars. God can give to things whatever body and whatever glory he chooses for them to have. Uh, if he can create all those things out of nothing, to have those different bodies and that different glory, then he can certainly recreate human beings as he wants them to be. But Paul also says that what God has done in raising the dead uh, is not without logic. Uh, that is, not only can God do whatever he wants, but God uh, can do it, it has done it in a way that makes some kind of sense. Paul likens it to a plant. In order for a plant to grow, the seed needs to, in some sense, die. That is, it needs to be buried in the ground. But what you get from that planted seed is not just another seed, but a far more glorious plant. From that tiny seed, you get a whole tree. In fact, there's almost no comparison between the original seed and the final product. It's the same with the resurrection from the dead. There's no comparison between what we are now and what we will be. It's like the difference between a seed and the final plant or the final tree. But it's also true that when you sow a seed, you still get a plant that is related to the kind of seed that you sowed. You don't plant acorns and get mushrooms. You plant acorns and you get oak trees. And in the same way, when God raises us from the dead, we don't become different kinds of people or different people altogether. We're not reincarnated as Queen Nefertiti or something like that. We're still humans. We're still us. But we're different somehow. That was true of Jesus himself. Uh, the resurrected Jesus was the same Jesus who was crucified. He looked the same. The disciples could still recognize him. He could eat with them. They could touch him. They could touch the wounds from his crucifixion. But Jesus was also somehow different. His disciples didn't recognize him at first. Eventually they did, but not at first. And Jesus walked through walls and suddenly disappeared. And Paul says it's similar with the resurrection for which we hope. That is, we're raised the same, but different. In verses 42 to 44, Paul gives a series of contrasts to explain, broadly speaking, how that is. He says, the body that's sown is perishable, but the one which is raised is imperishable. The body which is sown is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. The body that we have now is perishable, or a better word is corrupt. The body we have now is subject to sin and sinful desires. 
We're greedy, lazy, selfish. We lust after other people. We want other people's things. We're drawn into sin such that at times we can hardly resist it. But the resurrection body that believers will have through trust in Jesus is incorruptible. We can't sin. We will never again desire something that's contrary to what God wants. Our present body and life is dishonourable. We're dishonoured and shamed by the sins we've committed. We're dishonoured and shamed even by the world around us because of our faith in Christ. People ridicule us. But the resurrection body that believers will have through Jesus will be glorious, will be transformed into the perfect image of Jesus, will reign with Christ, will be honoured by God and seen to be his children and seen to be deeply loved by him. Our present body, Paul also says, is weak. That is, we get sick and die. We're threatened by illness and by this global pandemic. Even the most powerful and the richest people are not immune. Think of Boris Johnson, stuck in ICU in London. Not even the richest people are immune. And no medical device, no drugs can keep us alive indefinitely. Our, our body is weak. But the resurrection body that believers will have through Jesus is powerful. That is not subject to death, not subject to sickness, not subject to anxiety and depression, not subject to aches and pains. Or again, Paul says our present body is natural. That is, it's of this world, of this order. You know, we're, we're born uh, as human beings from uh, human mothers and fathers. But the resurrection body that believers will have through trust in Jesus is spiritual, not in the sense of not physical, as though we might be a kind of a vapour or a mist or something like that, but in the sense that our physical bodies will be completely and utterly uh, driven by the Spirit of God. That is, where the, the Spirit comes and dwells in us. Uh, and we will be raised uh, to be spiritual beings, that is, beings uh, that are uh, impelled and driven by the Spirit of the living God. It's helpful to see those contrasts that Paul makes put as bluntly as he makes them, because it helps us to get our lives here in proper perspective. You see, it's easy for us to hang on to this life too tightly. It's easy for us to think that life is better than it really is. Sure, our life here and now is a blessing from God, and we ought to be thankful to God for every day that he gives us to live here for him. But this life here is also a temporary life. It's a life marred by sin and, and by wrong desires. It's a, it's a life accompanied by shame, a life lived under the threat of sickness and death. A life lived apart from the fullness of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Our life now is, is, is just like a tiny seed compared to the enormous oak tree that we will be when Jesus returns to raise us from the dead. Nobody puts just bare seeds uh, on a plate in the corner of their lounge room uh, and hopes that they'll stay seeds. Nobody uh, puts seeds in the corner of their room to kind of spice up their house, invites people over and say, wow, have you seen my seeds? Have you seen my lovely new seeds? Look how well they're doing. 
No, we plant seeds because we want them to become plants. And in the same way, we ought not to think that this life is the end game. We're just seeds waiting for something better. Jesus' resurrection from the dead has given us a glimpse of what that better thing is for those who trust in him. So Paul helps us to understand the mechanics of resurrection. We're raised similar but different. Uh, We're raised in a glorious resurrection body. But how does that come about? By what means does that come about? Sure, Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago, but what's that got to do with us? Well, Paul explains that by comparing Adam, the first man, with Jesus, the new man. So he says in verse 47, the first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. Adam was made by God from dust. Dust decays, dust returns to dust. It's it's just stuff, it's just matter. Adam, the man, has been dead a very, very long time and his body has decayed. And we're no different. We're like dust. Our bodies go into the ground. They decay. But Jesus is from heaven. He's the son of God. He's imperishable, glorious, powerful. And Paul says that there is this hope that somehow we can shed that dustness with which we're born into this world. We can somehow shed that and begin to share something of who Jesus is. So verse 48, as was was the earthly man, Adam, so are those who are of the earth. That's us. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Just as we've been made in the image of Adam, born into this world as human beings, so also through trust in Jesus will we'll bear the image of Jesus, will be remade, reborn into his image. Right now we're born in the image of of Adam, we're like him, we share in his corruption and sin, we share in his death that he brought into the world. But we can become, Paul says, people in the image of the second Adam, of Jesus. We can be remade to be like him. How does that come to us? Paul says in verse 45, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. When we put our trust in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus is a life-giving spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who trust him. The the, the Father and the Son, uh, the Father through the Son, sends the Spirit to us, and the Spirit joins us with Jesus, and we share in his death and resurrection in our place as the Spirit joins us with Jesus. Holy Spirit unites us in the present with the a historic work of Jesus. The, the Spirit unites us in the present with, with all that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf in the past. Uh, the Spirit does that so that it's as if everything that happened to Jesus has happened to us as well. He died, we died with him. He rose, we rose too. 
And we can't share in that. We can't share in Jesus' resurrection unless we're united with him by the Holy Spirit. And we can't be united to Jesus by the Holy Spirit unless we receive the Holy Spirit by coming to Jesus with empty hands, coming to God with empty hands, acknowledging our rebellion against him, acknowledging our sin and seeking his forgiveness in the death of Jesus. Only then, only when we come through the crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ, only then will God pour out his spirit upon us, join us with Jesus and all that he's accomplished in his death and his resurrection on our behalf. What's the point? The point is this. If you and I want to share in that glorious and indestructible life which Jesus has achieved, we need to know Jesus ourselves and trust ourselves to him and cling on to him. Resurrection is not something we can earn. It's not something that we can do ourselves. Paul says, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. We can't gain entry into God's presence as we are. We can't climb up a ladder to get there. We need to be fundamentally changed. And the, and the way that we need to be changed is not something that we can do ourselves. It's completely a gift that comes through linking up with Jesus. And if you've done that, if you've linked up with Jesus through faith in him, you can know with absolute 100% certainty that Jesus' resurrection from the dead, his resurrection means you will be raised from the dead too. If tomorrow you're diagnosed with COVID-19 and in a week you're admitted to the ICU and put on oxygen and then put on a ventilator, slowly going downhill, even if you, as you lie there in the hospital bed, fading in and out of consciousness, you can know that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, one day he will raise you too. Even if you lie there alone, and no family members or friends can come to visit you to say goodbye. You can know that God is with you through his spirit, that you're united to the risen Jesus, and that one day he will raise you from the dead as well. If you're at high risk, and you don't know every time you go out to the shops whether or not you might be infected, well, no matter what happens, you can know that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, one day uh, he will raise you as well. And if your mother or father or friend or child gets sick, if they belong to Jesus and know him and trust him, then no matter what happens, even if you lose them, even if they die, you can know that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, one day he will raise them too. But if you haven't linked up with Jesus, then now is the time. Today is the day. There's no resurrection to life apart from Jesus. There's only resurrection to judgment and condemnation for all that we've done against God. So if you haven't linked up with Jesus, then the gift of forgiveness and life from God is available to you. It's available to you as a gift. It's not something you need to earn. You just have to receive it by accepting who Jesus is, the Holy Son of God who died for sins, and you need to entrust your life uh, to him. 
So Paul helps us to understand the mechanics of resurrection. We're raised similar but different in a glorious resurrection body. That resurrection comes through the Spirit who unites us with Jesus when we entrust ourselves to him. Finally, Paul spurs us on with the hope of that last day. He says in verse 51, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Paul says the day is coming. We don't know when it will be, but it's definitely coming. Everything is not now as it should be. But one day, one day Jesus will return. He'll raise his people, gather them to himself, judge those who have rejected him, and remake this world as he intended it to be. How do we know? Because Jesus himself has been raised from the dead already. The theologian Oscar Kuhlmann once described our situation as like living between D-Day, the day the Allies stormed the beaches of Normandy to reclaim Europe from the Nazis. He said it was our, our situation is like living between D-Day and VE Day, the day that the war finally ended in Europe. In D-Day, in its aftermath, the Allies landed the death blow on Hitler's Germany. They were all but defeated. The tide turned. In a way, the war was won then. But they still had to march all the way to Germany and mop up what remained of German resistance. Well, Kulman was saying, on the cross and in his resurrection, Jesus landed the death blow to sin and death. And right now we're still waiting for that battle to end. We're kind of waiting for the, for the war to finish. But even as we do, even as we wait, we know that the victory is sure. It's kind of interesting, I've thought recently, that quite a few people have commented that this situation at the moment feels a bit like we're in a war. Uh, my neighbour was born in England during the war, and she remembers a bit of what that was like. And she said to me the other day, it reminds her of being in England during the war. But the funny thing is, we've always been at war. <laughs> at war with sin and death. That hasn't changed. It's just that now we see it more clearly than we did before. But Paul says the day is coming when that war will be over. We know that the victory is won. Jesus has already defeated sin and death. But we're living, what we're living in at the moment is the mopping up operation. But the day will come when that will end too. The day will come, says Paul, when the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised. Christ will raise his people to everlasting life. And all those who trust in Jesus, all those who belong to him, will be changed from perishable to imperishable, from corruptible to incorruptible, from mortal to immortal. Death will be swallowed up for all those who love and trust God's son, Jesus. There'll be no more shutdowns. There'll be no more restrictions. No more pandemics, no more cancer, no more death, because there will be no more sin. 
Well, I hope these strange times make you long for that more than ever. I hope they make you live now with a calm assurance. Because if you belong to Jesus, you belong to him who has already been raised from the dead and he's coming back to raise all his people too. I hope these times make you stop and think. If you don't belong to Jesus, I hope these days will make you stop and think that you can share in that resurrection life as well if you put your trust in him. But for all of us who do, who have already done that, who have already put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can face life with expectation for when that day will come and confidence because of that in the present. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And Lord, we thank you that his resurrection is not something that has just happened in the past for his benefit. It's not just something that we can hear about and know about. But Lord, it's something that we can share in through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that by trusting him, we share not only in his death, and the forgiveness of sins that comes through that. But Lord, thank you that we also share in his resurrection to life. Lord, thank you that the day will come when the trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Lord, that's such a great comfort for us in the middle of our present situation. Lord, uh, some of us might be afraid of death, afraid of sickness, afraid of that for ourselves or afraid of that for others, for the people that we love. Lord, please help us to trust in you and Jesus' powerful resurrection from the dead. And Lord, thank you that uh, in that resurrection, in that resurrection hope, we have a hope for something better. Lord, help us to think of this life here as like a seed. It's not the end game. It's it's just the beginning of something so much better. Oh, Lord, help us to long for the corruption of our bodies to be put off. Oh, Lord, help us to long for the weakness of our bodies to be put off. Oh, Lord, help us to long for that day when, this, when the Spirit, every action that we do is motivated by your spirit living within us. And there's nothing opposing that because our sinful flesh will have been done away with once and for all and will, be, will have been changed into the image of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, write those truths on our heart, we pray, and buoy us up with those great realities we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.